0: Welcome to Wake Up The Echoes. I'm your host, Tony Simeone. I am so excited to have you for what should be a great season here on the official show of The Fighting Irish presented by Tyrac.com. We've got three head coaches, Marcus Freeman, Micah Shrewsbury, and Neil Ivey, and we're going to do things a little bit differently than we've done in years past. We're, of course, going to talk about all the stuff you see on the field and on the floor, but we're also going to talk a little bit about what makes these coaches tick away from the game. So it should be a great time. We had our first episode this week. We talked with head coach Marcus Freeman. We talked to, of course, the big man on campus, Sam Hartman. And we're also going to hear from Mike Golick Jr. Additionally, you're going to get a chance throughout the year to ask a question of our special guest. And Mike had a chance to answer one of those questions on this show. So make sure you send in those questions. Also make sure that you download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasting content. If you're watching, Check out this new studio. I mean, this is phenomenal. We've got some Easter eggs all throughout this facility. It's going to be a great time. We also have some playing cards. We're going to play some cards with Coach Freeman this season, I promise. He's going to teach me Boo Ray, and by the end of the year, I'm going to take some of that money out of his bank account. So, without further ado, let's get to head coach Marcus Freeman. Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish, presented by TireAct.com, is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade, and Under Armour. All right, Coach. Trying something new this year. Going to do this as a podcast instead of a TV show. Um, looking forward to talking to you. Maybe covering some topics away from football as well as football. But I want to ask you first: Do you listen to any podcasts? Um, I do at times. Uh-huh. You know, I uh, maybe I'm not so in much a, in season. On <laughs> a walk or a run,
1: maybe. You know, when I have some free time, I'll, I'll put on a podcast. Mm-hmm. But. Sometimes I'm, I'm listening to an audio book. There's, there's a lot of different things when I'm by myself mm-hmm. that I, I listen to, but then half the time my wife's with me, so that's our time to kind of talk and
0: connect. Yeah, you don't want to drown around with the podcast. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk a little football and then kind of branch out. So let's talk about this past week. I just – we're two weeks into the season. Everyone was talking about Sam. We're going to get a chance to talk to him a little bit later. But from my vantage point, he's quarterbacked, I think, 12 drives, and you guys haven't punted yet when he's been on the field. So just has he been – As good as you expected? Better than you expected? What's your assessment of Sam at this point? You know, I don't know if I had
1: a ceiling for for what my expectations were for him. Um, I think he's done a tremendous job from the moment he decided to come to Notre Dame till now of of just handling all the different things that have been thrown at him. He is a a mature young man, and um, he is an excellent football player. We all can see that, but there's so many other intangibles that he has that, um, are so impressive to me, the way he handles the, the media, the way he handles people need him for different things. Shoot. We had him, he was the fishing coach for my kids. You know, my kids wanted to go fishing and he was their fishing coach. And so, um, he is just an awesome person, but, um, he is, uh, really just done a great
0: job in his transition here. How has he made your job different then in year two? I, I just get the sense like having him as the quarterback just makes the head coach job, I don't want to say easier, but just different mm-hmm. in year two, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you coach
1: to your personnel, mm-hmm. you know, he's a different person than, than maybe Drew or Tyler was last year. And right. I'm not talking about talent wise. I'm talking about, you know, what he needs from his head coach. right. I'm not his offensive coordinator. I'm his head coach. And, and, each person needs something different from their head coach, and so I try to be that for Sam. Um, he makes it pretty easy, you know. Um, there's not a lot in these first couple of games I've had to say to him, other than just one play, one life, keep just doing what you're doing. And, and um, but he's 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 just done a really good job, man. And and, and he does. He he makes my job fun, um, but he makes our team pretty dang good.
0: Is there a moment this year that stuck out? I'll give you mine maybe it's the same one, but like the two minute drill or I should call it like the 38 second drill he ran uh, against Tennessee State at six of six for 80 like that was just I sat back and watched and I, I know you're playing an FCS team, but still the way he managed the clock that didn't even use the timeout like that was where I said, okay this guy's kind of got it all figured out. Is there a moment that sticks out to you so far? You know what I think back to that game and and early in the game we might have scored
1: but it wasn't as clean as we wanted it to. And I remember him looking at me, saying, we're good. I didn't need to go up to him and get on him and, 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 you know, try to tell him to go fire up the offense or get, get these guys going. He looked at me and was like, coach, we're good. Cause he knew it wasn't clean. He knew we didn't start that game off the way we really wanted to. Um, and he handled it. Right. And so uh, that's just such a great sign of, of leadership. J.D. Bertrand the other day, we had, a um, somebody come late to a meal and, it's so funny. They all were expecting me to lose my mind and JD Bertrand addressed it before I even had to say anything. Mm -hmm. So I just said, okay, let's move on, you know? And so that leadership is infectious, man. And, uh, when it's player led, um, it's powerful.
0: The fact that it's now your third year, just kind of following up on that. Do you find it easier to know that like you, the guys you've been around now, like JD has been here obviously even longer than you, but like, he's going to police the team. You don't have to take on that role. You have the stuff you can focus on, you have the leadership in the room and, and Sam comes in and kind of fills that void, too. Is that kind of the makeup of this team now that you've been around for three years?
1: Yeah, I think that that was the next step for certain individuals. Mm. Right. And, and that was something that I kind of challenged J.D. with is that um, we need you to be a vocal leader. We need you to hold guys accountable. Your job is to truly make those around you better and and that's what real leadership is and so what you've seen him and sam and some of those guys do is take and run with it you know and and truly get outside their comfort zone it's not always an easy thing to hold your peers accountable um but leaders do it and and they were named captains for a reason and uh, it's just been really good to see you know this place attracts leaders um but to see guys get outside of their comfort zone um has been really satisfying to see as a head coach
0: sam's gotten a lot of the headlines which i think is fair he's playing well but the, the position group that i'm just fired up about is running back mm-hmm. i just think that there's such an interesting balance there Odric, of course is really fun to watch but it really seems like at this this point he's gotten half the carries and the other four guys are splitting the other half and they're all so dynamic as a head coach when you have five guys like that how exciting is it for you Oh, it's it's
1: it's exciting, but it's a challenge. And mm-hmm. it's a challenge for Coach McCullough and Coach Parker, to. I think all humans are naturally, they have a little bit of selfishness to them. Sure. They want the ball. They want to be the one that scores the touchdowns. And the thing you're seeing is whenever the ball is getting into their hands, they are making something happen. Mm-hmm. They're all making big plays. But um, they're truly being unselfish. They're truly supporting each other. And um, it is uh, it's just a – great reflection of Coach McCullough and Coach Parker and, and what our offensive staff is doing with that group.
0: Last thing I wanted to ask about this game on the field at least was Steve getting into the game and getting to quarterback the entire second half. I, I of course have vivid memories of the walk-off touchdown two springs ago and then he of course played a lot in the last spring game but for him to get real reps against an opponent to me I mean at least you look down the road that's really valuable for him going forward but to see a guy that's putting a lot of work in on the field would that mean to you? No it was it was it was just
1: great to see and I didn't realize it in the moment. Um, it was funny. I think back to my conversation with coach Caduley. I said, Hey, Sam's out. And, and, and I made the decision after that two minute drive. Okay. Right. I said, okay, now it's 35 to three. Um, I want to get Steve in in meaningful minutes. And and coach was like, just one series in the second half. I said, Nope, get him out. And I said, put in And I wanted Steve, there's a little bit of pressure on you when you go out and you're the quarterback for the second half. Like you know, it'd have been a little bit different if Sam comes out in the second half and scores on that burst drive. And now, see, I wanted pressure on him to come out and mm-hmm. start fast. And uh, you know, when we watched film as a staff on Sunday and to see some of the checks he was making, the the is you know, recognizing what the defense was doing on the first third down, he sees a corner blitz, he throws it out to JT, and and Steve played really, really well. And uh, he took a couple hits, stood up. And I was really happy for Steve and the confidence he gave
0: me yeah. and our staff and our team. Um, you know what? He did a really, really good job. Let's talk about Tennessee State. It was a cool weekend for a lot of reasons. I think, uh, obviously, first HBCU coming on campus. From my standpoint, when I was with men's basketball two years ago, or between doing the radio games, we went to Howard mm-hmm. and played on an HBCU campus for the first time ever on Martin Luther King Day. So that was pretty incredible, I thought. And I thought I was talking to Ryan Harris on the radio broadcast This obviously felt very different because you were bringing one on this campus, Mm -hmm. but kind of the same vibe, same energy about kind of what it meant. You as the head coach, just what did it mean to play that opponent for the first home game of this year? What were your takeaways from the weekend? I thought it was special.
1: I thought it was uh, just uh, a special weekend for both institutions. Um, You know, anytime you got a chance to make history, I think that's uh, something that's really special and that that I was uh, so grateful to be a part of. And then, you know, as you you look at my personal relationship with Eddie George, yeah. there's actually two other coaches on their staff that that played football at Ohio State. That um, one I played with, the other one I know really well. And so, um, to be able to share that moment with those guys that I have personal relationships with uh, was 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 extremely uh, it's just a, a great moment. And you know what? I I, I just said this a couple of days ago. I was, that that team was better than we thought, mm-hmm. right? That is a talented football team. And I told Eddie George after a game, you have a talented football team that that the scheme they did offensively and defensively kind of, it took a second for us to adjust to it because yeah. it was things we didn't see on film. And uh, I think that's a good, really
0: good football program too. I heard from a source that your parents were at this game. Is yeah. that true? So yeah. what was it like for them to be there to watch this game and, and what it meant to them? Yeah, this was only the
1: second game the second home game my dad has been able to make, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he came to the Marshall game last year and he's never admitted to it, but he hasn't come back since. And so, (laughs) um, and my mom's been to a couple, you know, my mom loves to come up here and spend time with the, the grandkids. That's really why she comes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an excuse to come see the six grandkids. That's right. I got you. But it was great. Yeah. I got a chance to, I didn't even know they were staying in the same hotel as us. And so I got a chance to, to see them on Saturday morning. Um, just spend time, you know, it, you don't know how long you're going to have your, your parents and, and I have to do a better job of appreciating those moments and, uh, um, you know, really being present when they're here. And so, um, anytime I can convince my dad, my mom, I can convince easily to convince my dad to come up here and, and, and see a Notre Dame game. Um, it's, it's a moment that I will cherish.
0: You know, you've talked about it a lot with wanting to be. I think you said it in your maybe your first press conference that you wanted to have your players see you Mm -hmm. be a parent, be a dad. And I think that was the first time, at least, that I've seen it. Like I've heard Sam talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. So when you hear now one of your players, and and he's older, he's probably got, you know, he's wiser and got more perspective than some of these young guys coming in. Uh, But as we all get older, we get that perspective. Like you said, like you want to be around your parents more, you want to be around your kids more. To hear him kind of talk about it and I assume have the impact that you're trying to have it have on your players what does that tell you about what you're doing you know it's a a reminder of what it's really about
1: Mm -hmm. and uh you know we're evaluated off of wins and losses and and that's why you're here Mm -hmm. you know but the impact you can make on young people as a husband um and a father and and you know at one day being a You know, even a son, right? And that I think someone got a chance to see me interact with my parents. Like, that's what what really will last for a long time. Those were some of the greatest lessons I learned as a young person, okay? Mm -hmm. That's what it means, you know, even from my parents or from my coaches. Oh, that's what it means to be a husband. That's what it means to to be a father. And and those are the things that that will last forever. And it's not the things we say, Mm -hmm. right? And we often think as coaches it's the things we say, but it's what they see. And, and that's more important than anything. We have to remember, these eyes are always on us. Mm-hmm. They watch everything we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we better be making sure we're setting the right example for You,
0: you just brought something off totally off topic. That's the beauty of the podcast, though. So I always think about coaches. Like, I would ask Coach Bray about this because they have five media timeouts a half. Mm-hmm. So he talks to his team for, like, two and a half minutes every ten minutes for two hours. Yeah. And like – do you run out of things to say? And so, as the head coach, you talked to them. You said, like, it doesn't matter what you say, it's your actions, but, like, you have to talk to them a lot. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself going into a meeting and being like, okay, well, it's going to have to wing this one? Like, I don't have anything new to tell these guys. Do you ever run out of stuff to nope. say? Or are you always, Okay. You always yeah, well, have something. Well, because
1: if I don't have anything important to say, I don't have a meeting. Okay. And I've done that before, saying, hey, here's the practice schedule. Let's go. Because what you don't want it to, to ever be is that your voice is wasted. Hmm. Right. And so. You know the things you say are important, right? And so I have to make sure I spend a lot of time thinking about what I'm going to say. I don't like to go on and on and on because you'll lose them. Now you're just wasting your breath, mm-hmm. you know? And so what is the point of this meeting? What what impact am I trying to make right now in this meeting? Okay. And And a lot of it is consistency because if every time I get up there, I'm saying a different message, what are they going to remember? Right. But a lot of times I'm reinforcing the same things, depending on what situation we're in, I'm re- reinforcing the same things over and over. And I often say to those guys, don't expect me to say anything different because this is what I believe you need to be thinking as we take the football field. This is what I think you need to be thinking as we get right within a series and during a timeout. A lot of times it's the same thing, but, you know, and those TV timeouts can be pretty long. And <laughs> yeah. uh a lot of times I just pace, you know, and if, Hey, I need to grab the quarterback or Hey, I need to say something, yeah. but I like, I, I like to let the position coaches truly grab their position and and, and get the X's and O's and the,
0: the, make the points they need to make. Have you found that become easier here in the year two? Cause I imagine year one, at least if I was thrust into your position, I'd be thinking I need to fill the air with all of my thoughts and all of my stuff. And like you said, in year two, you find it easier to kind of know when to talk and when to let the other guys do their thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. If you, if you spend a lot of time around me, I don't like a lot of silence. Mm -hmm. Right. I like, I just don't like sitting in silence with other people around, but again, I'm hopefully, I don't want to say smart enough, but I'm hopefully mature enough to understand I don't need to be the voice every time. Right. And that we have a great group of coaches that, you know what their voices a lot of times are more powerful than mine. I tell them all the time. So we sit in meetings as a coaching staff, and I say these are the things we need to be reinforcing to our guys in our room because I can have a five-minute meeting and say yeah. these things, but if you're not reinforcing these things in your position meeting rooms, it's not going to be important to the kids. So we have to make sure our messaging is aligned.
0: I want to ask you about two weeks ago, Ireland. I got sources all over this campus, so I heard that was your first trip outside of the country other than a cruise. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So- I've made a pit stop in in Canada for okay. Recruiting. But North America. Yeah, you don't yeah, get to like yeah.
1: that's if you're there recruiting, like that's not
0: real. If you can make true. it there also by land or, or by car, I don't right, think it really exactly counts. Right. Like Canada, Mexico, exactly. All due right. respect, it doesn't really count the same. Um so Ireland, I know business trip, you guys are there to do a job, but did you get a chance to do anything that stuck with you Irish wise that yeah. makes you want to go back or get back over there? What's, I do want to go. Yeah. I want to go
1: for pleasure. I want to go with my, my wife and kids and experience mm-hmm. it. But we went to a, a dinner um, and we had Irish music and dancers and, and it was like really cool hmm. to see um, see them perform. Our players were getting into it. It was it was a great experience. Um, the, the the thing I remember the most is the driving. Right. The, the driver being on the other side. Wrong side. Right. And then the narrow how narrow the roads are. Like holding your breath, there's no way I could drive my car in Ireland, (laughs) and now you don't see a whole bunch of big SUVs over there either, Mm -hmm. you know, because those roads are so thin. And so, um, but it was beautiful. There was one, uh, you know, one day my wife, um, she said she looked out of the balcony, we were having a walk through at our hotel, and then you could see all these hills and green, and she was like, it was the most beautiful picture seeing your team walking through, like, doing football stuff. And then you look and you see Ireland behind it. It was uh, it was amazing. So I hope to get back soon.
0: There's a lot of people I've talked to that have to go on that trip. I was here in South Bend. I love South Bend, but it's not Ireland. And I'm, I'm still resentful of everybody that got to go over there. Um, there was a great article about you. I think it was in The Athletic. I think Pete Sampson wrote it about how involved you are with other teams. And I've seen you just on, like, I, I follow the other team's social media channels. And I'll see you talking to them either before or after a game or whatever it might be. I see you at the basketball games a lot. I look around the country and, like, everyone talks about, and I'm sure it is a difficult job, like how tough and time consuming the head football coach job is, spe- specifically here at Notre Dame. Why do you get so involved with these other teams? Why do you go to so many events? Why is that important to you? Because it seems to be something you prioritize to not just go to the occasional game, but go to quite a few and then kind of, it sounds like, be invested in a lot of these other programs.
1: Yeah. I think number one is I'm a fan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I, I love this place. My, um, I'm a subway alum, right? That's what they call us. Mm-hmm. And and I want to see, you know, our teams have success. And sometimes I w- I want to go just as a spectator and not the head coach of the football team. Yeah, right. And I love to to watch competition, but I I want to see us have success. Now, the second part of that is uh, this place almost you know it's not huge, right? South Bend Indian University of Notre Dame isn't this big, huge campus, so. We've become kind of a community. The relationships you build with with some of those head coaches, um, you're fans of them. You want to see them succeed. And, and um, that, that's why I want them to know I support them. And, and I know they're supporting our football program, but I want their programs to know that, that the head coach of the football team is supporting them too. And uh, I want to see them have success.
0: Is there something you've picked up from a coach in particular in a meeting or a conversation or just even observing, I don't know if it's a practice or, or a game, that stuck with you that you've thought was really valuable because there's some amazing coaches on this oh. campus that have been here forever. Uh, is there something that sticks out that you've learned? Yeah, I can go on
1: and on. I mean, every sport um, that I've gone to, every coach I've listened to talk mm-hmm. um, is, is really, it's, it's really intriguing to hear how other coaches lead their teams, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I have a really, obviously really coach relationship with Neil and, yeah. um, you know, we've spent a lot of time together and the success they've had is just tremendous. And, and credit to her for, for leading those girls. I've really become invested in Maddie's from my hometown in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, I didn't realize you know, that. So yeah. I always cheer for her. <laughs> but um, it, it's just really, really cool to, to be around him. And then I've spent some time with Muffet. Okay. You know, and so to see the dynamics of Muffet to Niel to just that women's basketball program, um, is great. You know, And I could go on and on Micah. I love the times we spent yeah. together and what he's going to do with our basketball program. And trust me, I I could list everyone from hockey to baseball to soccer. Um, yeah. um, our softball team, Deanna spent some time with her. She's a good spades player, you know? Oh yeah. We've, we spent some time cards on playing. right here. I was yeah. going to ask you about yeah. spades. So are you a big spades guy. I'm a spade. I can go spades, Euchre, um, and there's this me. game I can teach you um, okay. called Ray. but
0: oh Ray, Isn't that what all the NBA guys play on the plane? Yeah, there's it there's it's, it it's
1: probably started in the uh, professional leagues, but we won't play for that type of money. You know, okay. we'll, we'll lower the, the stakes. We we got,
0: we got to lower the stakes. I'm going to play with you. I have a hunch. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hunch. I can't keep up. Um, okay, we'll we'll set this up. We got the cards. We'll do it next time. Show them right. sure how to play Ray. Let's do it. Um, I want to ask you about one more thing as it relates to golf. I've, <laughs> I've heard. Heard you're trying to pick up golf. I think you said Sam's a good fishing coach. I think he also does he play a little golf yeah. too. I think all quarterbacks all golf. all quarterbacks golf, mm-hmm. Right. What what's the status of your golf game these days? Very bad. Very bad? Very okay. bad. Um yeah. I am a private golfer. What does that mean? Is that if
1: anybody's around, I'm not golfing. You know, <laughs> only person I'll golf with is my son and he's better than me. Um I went to Hawaii for vacation this summer and uh I was able to go golfing at one of these – it was in uh, the Big Island. Okay. And one of the most – There's great golf out there. Yeah, Yeah. one of the most beautiful golf courses. It kind of gave me an itch. I hadn't golfed in two or three years. Yeah. And then so we came back here, and uh, I was able to go golfing once or twice. But I stink. It's pretty embarrassing. And so – Until I improve, like, I'm never going to golf in front
0: of people. And this is not your golf season either. You're not golfing a lot right now. No, no. I don't know if I ever have a golf season. That's the problem. You don't have a time to to get better at it. We could start some drama, though, if we just, like, took some photos of you out on the golf course and get the message boards going, like, why is Coach Freeman golfing on a Monday before (laughs) NC State? Needs to be locked in watching film. That's kind of my goal this year is to start some kind of controversy about why is he talking about golf or why is he playing so many cards? (laughs) His focus is not on football. Um, Um, That's all I got. I think this is a good first episode for us. It covered a few good topics. I love it. I'm excited to talk about a little bit more than just X's and O's. I'll I'll, I'll give you one more football question, actually. We'll get out of here on this. NC State, let's let people hear about what you think going into the first road game of the year. What are you focused on? What are you excited about? I mean, to me, it's like we're going to see the rubber meet the road a little bit this week with a different kind of test. Mm -hmm. What what are you kind of honed in on for this game?
1: Well, when you think about a macro picture, you think about Saturday, it's going to be extremely challenging environment a challenging opponent um three really good coordinators and a head coach has done a great job mm-hmm. there and a talented quarterback and i go on and on everyone 16 out of last 17 at home and so that's the macro picture of how difficult this challenge was going to be the micro focus is today and we have a team meeting you know coming up and and the challenge will be win today like we have to beat nc state today mm-hmm. and we got to make sure our practice and our meetings are better than theirs today, and that's that will take care of Saturday. And mm. so um, we know there's a challenge on the horizon on Saturday, but that that doesn't matter. Yeah. We got to focus on winning today.
0: All right, I got the two big men on campus right here. I need to know about this big brother relationship. I think it was your words in the press conference called them big brother. I heard that. Explain it to me. Kind of weird. <laughs> um, no,
2: definitely not calling you dad coach. Um, no, I mean, I think it's it's a testament to um, coach as, as a whole, and um, I think there's a lot of guys on the team that would, you know, would say dad or a father figure. I don't know. Um, no, nah, it's just got to are too old for that. But yeah, I would say I'm a little too, I'm one of the guys that is too old to call my head coach dad, but. Um, no, it's just a testament to his character and, and kind of who he is as, as a coach, um, obviously, that you, you guys all see. But, I mean, even as a father and a family man, like, his kids are always around. And um, to be at the helm of, of this university and, and have all the, you know, criticisms and, you know, different speculations about who he is and, and what he does. You know, he's, he's a family man first, and it's uh, greatly appreciated to see as a quarterback and then just as a player. Do you look at him as little brother or how do, how do
1: you assess him? Um, no, no. Um, but but I think when you talk about brother, you talk about family and like authenticity, uh-huh. right? And and that's the thing that we've developed in a short period of time. Trust takes a long time, you know, and, and it's very intentional to spend time with, with Sam um, to earn his trust to get to know him, right? And so that. It's not just all ball, and, and most of our conversations aren't about ball, And um, but it's about building trust, and, and it's it's a real relationship, and those conversations aren't always
0: happy-go-lucky either. Mm-hmm. They're real, And and but that's what we've created is a real, authentic relationship. To the extent you can share the conversations, what do they center around when they're not about football? What do you guys cover? Ooh. Some we can't say. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. We like to share those.
1: Um, we talk – relationships
2: yeah relationships uh family you know just day in and day out stuff that um you know you appreciate as a as a player and I'm guessing as a coach to be able to I always kind of look at it like there's two positions in college football that are one in their own head coach and quarterback and um there's not a lot of them and there's not a lot you can really talk to and luckily I have some friends outside of of Notre Dame that play quarterback at other schools but Um, to have a head coach that you can kind of relate to where, like we've said, as the eyes are on you and there's a lot of, um, pressure, you can kind of relate to somebody in the facility more than, um, other people, but it's, it's a, it's great for, for me. And so, yeah.
1: you know, I I love that he has five years of experience at a different program. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of things I can bounce off him and say, Hey, what did you guys do here? We talk about how do we, how do we travel, um, we talk about many different things where I can mm-hmm. get an honest opinion because what you'll see is some people won't give you honest opinions. And so it is probably more of a brotherly relationship, relationship um, because he'll give me his honest opinions, no matter if I like it, dislike it. Sometimes he doesn't like my response, and I take a minute and I go, geez, he was right. Mm-hmm. You know, that happens often, right, mm-hmm. is that yeah. he'll say something, I'll ask him for his opinion, and I, and I disagree, and I let him know I disagree, and I'll sit in my office and say, Gosh, that little dude's right again, man. So mm-hmm.
0: that was uh that's the type of relationship we have. I'm curious, do you guys know how you're gonna handle adversity together for the first time? Because look 98 to 6, like I'm riding high, you guys are riding high, but you know it's gonna come. Have you guys thought about how that's gonna test the relationship? Well, I'll tell I'll
1: I'll start with this uh-huh. one is the way we always handle adversity, um, is he knows he's got a head coach that has his back. Mm. And uh that's that's what's most important is in times of adversity, to me, that's where love shows. That's where somebody that, that cares about you, that's going to have you back and push you, um, that's really going to expose itself dur- during those times of adversity.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm curious about fishing because you talked about talked <laughs> Are you ever gonna get out there and show Coach Freeman how to fish? What what's the he, he did. He okay. and he
1: caught no fish. <laughs> like he did show me. We were in South Carolina and he's showing me all these he's I'm gonna catch this big fish and he caught nothing. And then I leave and he shows me a picture of a fish. I'm like, okay.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Cool. So. Yeah.
2: But I, I mean, I've I've taken his kids fishing, you know, <laughs> I've I've done a lot, you know, just outside of the Notre Dame offices with, you know, multiple of our coaches' kids and every kid that I've gone fishing with has caught a fish. Hence the only person who hasn't is Coach Freeman. I rest my case. I leave the set. Mm, so someone's is,
0: blaming the tools,
1: listen, not the- He is a much better fishing coach than I ever could be. Uh, I'll okay. tell you that. He, he has a, a bright future if he wants to be a fishing coach. I right, Fish appreciate coach. it. Fisher, yeah. Buddy, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All
0: right. Hey, Notre Dame fans. This is Tony Simeone, host of Wake Up the Echoes, presented by TireRack.com. Much like the Fighting Irish, TireRack.com knows a thing or two about passion and performance – Their on-site test track is the gridiron, and they've drawn up a playbook to make tire buying a snap. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide, plus mobile tire installation that comes to you. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
3: Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm your game day face paint, and you just rubbed me right into your eye. Now your vision is super irritated. So is that driver you just hit. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, these damages will rob you blind. So switch to Allstate. Save $468 and get better protected from mayhem, like me.
0: National average annual savings of new auto customers surveyed in 2022 who switched to Allstate. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. You're here because it's the Yeti coldest moment of the week. We have a sponsor for this. Do you have any conflicts with that sponsor, Yeti? I don't. You I don't?
2: have to work with Yeti. <laughs> okay. Me,
0: so. uh, you're you're leaping to the end zone. Taught me through the play. Talk me through the dismount. And uh, talk me through the coldest moment of the week.
2: Um, yeah, I think uh, to start off, it was, you know, we're in the red zone. We had a good drive put together early in the game. Um, you know, kind of knew we had a man look. Um, knew um, that the pole was going to be there for me on the zone read, um, aspect of the play, uh, did not anticipate leaping into the end zone, but, um, kind of anticipated him going low. So it was either I go low with him or I, uh, kind of jump in the air <laughs> and, and try and look like an athlete. And, um, it was a cool, cool moment. Um, you know, obviously up front guys blocked and, um, it was, I think it was Holden running out or Mitch, Holden, Mitch or Holden was running out, um, kind of took away two defenders and, um, gave me an opportunity to get in the end zone.
0: Anybody talk to you about how we got to keep you healthy? You can't be risking your neck on a play like that. <laughs> uh, every play is important so I, you know it is what it is. Uh, I want to talk about what it's been like here first couple weeks in the regular season first few months on campus. I know you came here for a reason. What, what, what's your Notre Dame experience been like? Have, have you liked it?
2: Um, It's been incredible. I mean I think the atmosphere, the environment um, to start with everything about Notre Dame that you read about is is true and Um, Then the fans, the support, right, the student section staying the entire game, um, you know, singing the alma mater. Uh, And then lastly, probably the most important is the team. I mean, I think our our guys, the environment that they create in the locker room to accept me from day one and um, obviously get voted a captain and and be a part of something uh, that's really special and really cool um, that's growing here in South Bend. And um, it's been something I... Will forever be grateful for and an opportunity that I'm really glad I took uh, advantage of
0: what, what's something that's maybe surprised you like when I came to Notre Dame I had all these preconceived notions I saw them on TV growing up and then I got here and it's you know there's there's stuff about the campus that kind of takes your breath away for me that I didn't understand what, what's something you've seen here that when you came it maybe changed your impression of a place that you'd probably only seen on on TV or, or watched about
2: yeah I mean I think there's uh there's a lot of that I think I think really just the aspect of how it feels like you're kind of in a movie, you know. In the when I first got here in the winter months, um, kind of, you know, late fall and and obviously headed into this early spring and and late spring, just um, the atmosphere, right, the golden dome, right, touchdown Jesus, hmm. um, just all all the history, all the you know football tradition that you're now a part of and. Um, can put your name beside is just something that's uh you don't really know until you're you're here and on
0: campus. You've learned the fight song, you know it?
2: I do know the can fight song. Can you recite song. it? I will not be reciting. <laughs> I will not be an Audric SMA meme for I'm already I'm already a meme, so I need to relax. <laughs> what
0: what's your favorite tradition then that you've found out so far that you've gotten involved with?
2: Uh, I mean I think it is really probably at the end of the game, just yeah. The uh the passion and the joy that everybody kinda partakes in and um it's it's something that's not everywhere and not all schools have that um, kind of just tradition. Um, and I, I think it's I think the walks also really cool. That was my yeah. first experience, and um, you know the mass and everything was very very special. Did you get your mom that hug? I saw you said that you didn't get the the hug. Uh, I got it after. <laughs> um, yeah, she. I now know where she is,
0: so I can kind of uh, locate her and you know make sure that that gets done. What's it been like to be on this team? Because I know you're a little older, and you got a lot of guys that are a variety of ages. But you're what, 24, right? 24. And there's 18-year-olds on the team. There's 17-year-olds. 17-year-olds on the team. team? Okay. How do you relate to these guys? Because I have a tough enough time relating to Gen Z. What What do you do?
2: Um, I mean, I think the uh, probably the biggest thing is just working hard. I mean, I think uh, it's uh, like you said, hard to sometimes relate to you know different guys and, and different guys in different areas, even your age. Um, but coming in, I just knew that if I worked hard and, um, was just myself every single day that it, it, it normally, uh, you know, that gap or that difference kind of, uh, goes away and, um, you kind of get, you get to know guys and get to, get to realize you're not, you know, that different after all.
0: What's, uh, like Minchie like? I mean, is he, is he, is he, are you able to relate to him? I know you guys are quarterbacks obviously, but he's six years younger.
2: Yeah. Uh, Kenny's, Kenny's awesome. I mean, he's, uh he's a little kid, you know, at the end of the day to me, but also, you know, makes, um, he's gonna have a great career here and, um, you know, he teaches me things. I teach him things and, um, he loves Zach Bryan. So Zach Bryan, if you are listening to this, just, I don't know, give him a like on Instagram or something, but, um, I swear I've never heard anyone listen to one person so much and be so obsessed with everything. He's, I think he's been to three or four concerts, which is ridiculous in itself. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's 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 cool to have you know somebody like him in his room and same with Steve. Steve's also awesome and again he's young too. Um, you know I treat him like he's he's a lot older than he really is and I'm sure he gets annoying, but he's he's great as well.
0: I think I saw something about Angeli where uh, maybe you t- you take him fishing or you taught him mm-hmm. about fishing and then he taught you or he. Or the Jersey connection was uh Jim Tan Laundry, something like that. Yeah, GTO. GTO. You yeah, a he big doesn't... Jersey Shore guy or what?
2: Uh growing up, me yeah. and my oldest brother used to watch it, and then when my mom was walking down, we flip it back to Sports Center. So <laughs> yeah. the Sitch. Yeah, dude, how about Sitch? That guy was
0: unbelievable. Uh, that whole show is just <laughs> terrible. But... I miss mean, Paulie Pauly I think he actually does like concerts out in Vegas. Yeah, he's locked there. I need to get back out there. Uh, let's talk about the rib. I've heard a lot about the rib and the necklace. What inspired you to do that? Why do you wear your rib on that necklace? Um,
2: yeah, I think it's just a sign of resilience um, just to show um, what I've been through and, and, you know, to keep keep pushing no matter what's going on. And, um, you know, I feel like it's, you know, they give you that, uh, you get that opportunity. I don't know how you turn it down. I thought it was kind of cool in the end, at the end of the day. And um, obviously something I just, you know, want to
0: remember for the rest of my life. I want to kind of ask you about your goals here for this year. Obviously you guys are two games in. It's 98 to 6 is the margin of victory, but I know you guys are pretty focused on on just the next game in front of you, but big picture, you came here for a reason. Like like what are you hoping to accomplish this year when you leave? What do you want Sam Hartman's legacy to be?
2: Um, you know, probably consistency um, you know, is probably the number one thing. Um, I think it's it's easy to show up in the first early weeks of the season when your body feels good and um, I think I think it's for my teammates just, you know, I was the same guy every day and I worked hard. Um, everything out of that is just, you know, kind of what people write and what people want to say. Um, but I you know, what my teammates and coaches think are probably the most important to me and it's just mm-hmm. consistent, hard working and, and he cared about his teammates.
0: On campus, I'm curious, have you found like a favorite spot you like to go to yet? Have you figured out your favorite spot to be on campus? Uh,
2: not really. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, the gook's probably the best. I mean, I like- Just the lab? Kinda, yeah, I kind of so, live there and, um, you know, it's where my guys are, where my family's at. So, uh, I say the gook.
0: Okay. Let me ask you another question. You're going to probably know here, but have you been to either dining hall? I have not. You've not been to either dining hall. So I'm going to give you one task you got to accomplish by the time you're done here. You got to mm-hmm. go to north Yeah. and south. And you got to make a choice which your favorite dining hall is. Okay? Right, have you heard people talk about which one they like? I have not. You football guys don't even eat outside of the Goog, do you? No. <laughs> have you had every meal prepared for you in the Goog? I have. That's how it <laughs> works. I want to be quarterback at Notre Dame someday. It sounds pretty good. Um, so when it comes to quarterback at Notre Dame, it's kind of, I mean, it's like the biggest quarterback job in the country, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel any extra pressure being the quarterback at Notre Dame?
2: Uh, no. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's uh, i mean—it's an honor. I don't pressure um yeah you I think you feel pressure at any quarterback position I mean I feel um I felt it at Wake I feel it here I think the honor is the same too I mean you know this there's the same amount of guys in your football team there's the same amount of coaches same amount of um of people in your organization that are counting on you to play and yeah the fan base is bigger um but I think that the the pressure is always going to be there for every quarterback at at a division one whatever level I mean high school I mean it's it relies on you. You're the one touching the ball every play. Everybody's looking at you off the field, on the field, and um, so yeah. I mean, I think it's it's always going to be a big, uh, big load of you know
0: opportunity and and risk as well. Last one I have for you is how do I get a pair of beats? Uh, you got to be on a football team. <laughs> is that simple? The, it's that simple. All right, I'll, I'll see if I can get one at the end of the season for me, though. All there you right. go. Appreciate it, Sam. Awesome. Go Irish.
3: Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly.
0: All right, we're now joined by a man that needs no introduction, Notre Dame fans, but I'll do it anyway. Mike Golick Jr. is here with us, part of the Gojo and Golick podcast. He also covers a lot of college football on the radio now. Mike, really appreciate you joining us for our first rebranded Wake Up the Echo show. I appreciate you guys having me. Nice to get in on the
3: ground floor of the rebrand
0: here. Looking forward to it. All right, let's just jump right into football here. I look at this Notre Dame team, 98-6 to through the first two games. I know that the detractors are going to talk about they haven't played anybody, played an FCS team, they played Navy, but Sam Hartman, when he's been on the field, the offense has not punted yet. So they look pretty sharp. You, as someone that obviously cares deeply about the program, but gets to kind of watch with maybe a different kind of lens than a lot of us do. What's your impression eight quarters into the season? Clean? I think that's about the best thing that you can
3: say at this point, factoring in for the level of competition, right? You mentioned everyone's going to bring it up, but that's kind of true across college football. The early season slate so far hasn't been full of a ton of marquee matchups and great on great teams. And so we're all kind of searching around for, all right, what are we supposed to believe in? what are we supposed to buy into? And for my money, looking for teams early in the season, I want to see what's the level of execution. Like, obviously, top dad, you could look at stuff like penalties, things like that, but especially in terms of what Notre Dame has been most excited about, their star quarterback and Sam Hartman coming over from Wake Forest, what can you take away is just that. They have gone out and they have executed your number one goal on offense every single drive, essentially, that he has been out there as the quarterback. You've seen that against the blitz reflected by his numbers and that facet of the game, which will only become more important As the season has gone along, hasn't taken a ton of hits. It's been pretty clean there. He's been able to make guys miss. And I think as much as anything, we've seen it help the young receivers a lot. We had questions going into this season about that group in particular, outside of the offensive line, the great backfield. What were the receivers going to do? And I think we've seen the direct
0: benefit of what a veteran quarterback can do for the group of skilled players Notre Dame wants and needs to step up. I think that's the part of the team that's been most exciting to see is that he's thrown a lot of guys open. I think they had 11 different guys catch a pass in the most recent game. I'm curious, compared to, let's say, nine days ago when the season was about to begin, where does this team now look like to you compared to where you maybe projected them? I think we all look at the schedule and think there's three games that really jump out at you, but do you feel differently about them than you did, let's say, before the season started? Are you more optimistic? Are you about the same? Where where do you kind of land compared to where you thought they'd be coming into the year?
3: I think it's hard not to be more optimistic, and it's certainly just as much about those games, right, which are also going to be opponent-adjusted. Ohio State's offense looked like it was still trying to find its final form, breaking in a new quarterback there. Clemson, they're getting ready to play on Monday night with a new offensive coordinator and a lot of newness around that program still. Essie is Essie. Caleb Williams looks as advertised. Zachariah Branch is going to keep me up at night for the next few weeks. But um, I I think for Notre Dame, the thing I always said going into this season was in year two for Marcus Freeman, I wanted to see the floor get back to what we had become accustomed to at the end of the Brian Kelly era. And I could tell you that I definitely feel a lot more comfortable about what Notre Dame's going to do, especially this year. The road ACC games on their schedule that fall into that trap game category. And NC State's a great example of that coming up this week where because you've not only got a veteran who – provides you with so many great answers to the test on the field but during the week is going to be able to look at his teammates and say yeah I know all about playing these guys I know exactly what Brennan Armstrong's about I know exactly what Dave Doran coach teams are about making sure no one lets their foot off the gas I think that's as important as anything and great ammunition for Marcus Freeman is you've got a leader who understands it's not as easy as just rolling the ball out on Saturday and getting results it's about what you
0: get Monday through Saturday Let's talk a little NC State for Notre Dame fans that maybe haven't looked as far ahead at the schedule. This is the first game, of course, I think that's a real test this year. No offense to Navy in Ireland and no offense to Tennessee State, but it's a different breed when you go on the road, like you said, into an ACC environment. When they get ready for NC State, you mentioned Brennan Armstrong, a guy they've seen before what are the things Notre Dame fans have to be concerned about getting ready for this game this weekend?
3: With Brendan Armstrong, the one thing you've got to be prepared for is he's going to do it both ways. He accounted for a bunch of rushing yards for that team. We know what he's capable of through the air, and he's reunited with Coach Anai, who, remember, his good seasons at Virginia were with Robert Anai as the helm. He was the offense coordinator last year when Notre Dame played and saw that Syracuse team that was revitalized with Garrett Schrader at the helm. Now Anai and Brandon Arm- Armstrong are back together, so I expect that to be a more potent combination. And then defensively, the product under Dave Dorn's been pretty consistent since he's been there. That linebacker room from last year, only Peyton Wilson left in that bunch from a, three, a three-pack that I thought was probably the best in the ACC. Maybe you could talk about Clemson talent-wise, but that's a unit that isn't going to present a ton for you schematically. You know, they play that, you know, 3-3 stack, that kind of 3-3-5 look and keep everything in front of you. They tackle really well. They're vicious up front. They've got really big bodies up front to contend with, but it's – A veteran team with a sure identity, even though that's changed some since it's no longer Devin Leary at the helm. While Dave Doran's there, you know what to expect. And that points back to Sam Hartman, who has seen this team plenty. I believe has lost his last two times against NC State and knows
0: what a live dog they can be. You mentioned Hartman. I want to ask you kind of big picture about him. It's kind of this one-year sprint with him as the quarterback. I, I, I hesitate to make the comparison, but I think about what Joe Burrow did at LSU. To me, it seems like a kind of a similar opportunity here, right? Come to a new school, leave your imprint on it, go out a legend, and maybe go for a Heisman and really help your NFL draft stock. When you look at him as somebody that evaluates the game and then, of course, uh, has the Notre Dame colored glasses, how good do you think he can be? And then really, as you project to the next level, what do you see maybe the next steps you can take? And, and how high can he maybe jump? In draft boards, if he keeps playing the way that it looks like he's capable of playing. Yeah, it's going to be
3: interesting. So much of the draft is also about measurables in a way that, listen, Sam's not going to check those boxes the same as a Drake May or some other guys might necessarily. But I think you're also seeing right now when you're coming off just this NFL preseason anecdotally. Guys who have played a ton of really productive, high-level college football: Aiden O'Connell with the Las Vegas Raiders had a phenomenal preseason. Dorian Thompson Robinson ends up now as the backup going into the year for the Bronze for the uh, Browns, excuse me. Malik Cunningham and the New England Patriots and what he did. On and on down the list. I think there's going to be more of an appeal for guys in Sam Hartman's mold than there's traditionally been because even coming off the ultimate example of that, right? With Brock Purdy and what he did as Mr. Irrelevant this last season for the 49ers, again, not going to overwhelm you with the physical gifts necessarily, but played a ton of high-level football, knows how to operate the system like an adult, and that can go a long way for the right type of roster and the right type of situation. I think Sam can continue to show what he's capable in that regard. Obviously, the offense is allowing him to do some different things and put some different things on tape than he did with the slow mesh system at Wake Forest and what that asked of you. It's it's unique, whereas there's a lot more of this, especially with the quality offensive line, with what Notre Dame wants to do in a run game, making use of multiple tight end sets. It looks familiar for people scouting. You always hear that phrase when people are evaluating or scouting. I want it to look familiar, and sometimes there's something to be said for not having to project As much as you can do, just look and say, all right, well, he's operating NFL things. He's making NFL throws. He's controlling the game in a way you want to see from a veteran quarterback. I think all those things are why Sam came to Notre Dame originally, and I think we've seen them bear fruit already. So the the sky's the limit because you've got a guy that is not only incredibly talented, but incredibly accomplished, brings over all that experience, and just gets it. Notre Dame did a great job finding a guy that's such a great cultural fit and understands his role as that kind of player on a program like Notre Dame, where it's more attention and brighter lights than he's ever had on him in his career. And so far, we've watched it handle him handle it every step of the way with incredible grace and poise.
0: I want to ask you about uh, your time here as it relates to that 2012 season. And I want to just use this past weekend as a reference point, because I was in the building for the Tennessee State game. There was just a different buzz. And I think it was came over from Ireland, the big win, and you just talked about Hartman. I think there's an energy around Freeman, too. Just the two of them together, there's a lot of energy. I was not here in 2012, but I just get a similar... There's a rejuvenation of sorts around the program. I want to know what it's like to be on this campus when it is going all the right way. What What do you remember, and what is it like to be on this campus when things are going about as good as they can?
3: Yeah, It's the best thing in the world. I... I... I, Because, I, listen, I played on a lot of losing seasons where all of a sudden you have that player walk in October and there's not nearly as many people outside of the Basilica when you're leaving Mass on game day as there were week one or week two when there was still so much hope. When it goes well, there aren't many places more fun to be than Notre Dame and especially being the Notre Dame quarterback. You have, you know, people waiting for your autographs outside the Goog. I remember we came back. We had a little break in the action before bowl prep, getting ready for the national championship. And I landed at my gate back in South Bend, and there were people that had must have bought plane tickets to get inside security that were waiting at the gate when we got off with memorabilia for us to sign. And that's part of where you just start to pinch yourself, where that becomes the everyday thing, that noise where, hey, college game day is going to be showing up at a lot more of your games when things are going well. That buzz around campus on a Friday, it's going to be a lot harder to get over to the dining hall, to get to the places to see your family on campus because of what's going on there. And the difference, I think, between the team now and the team we were then is we a lot of us were learning that for the first time back then. We had been a six ten, a six-win team, a seven-win team, maybe an eight-win team during my years prior there. And so we were learning not only what it took on the field every day, work habit-wise, what you had to do that myopic approach to be successful when you stepped in between the white lines, but you hear all the time that stuff about ignoring the noise. It gets real when the noise gets turned up that loud. For the players and the older ones on this roster, a lot of them had been around a lot of high-level winning football towards the end of Brian Kelly's years and in this transfer into year one with Marcus Freeman. They're a little bit more aware of, Having to deal with everything that comes with being a top upper, upper echelon program that I think we were back in
0: 2012. I got one follow up before I ask you my final question because you brought up the dining halls. I'm going to ask. It's going to be like a running thing here on this show. I'm determined to get some answers because I have a preference, but I won't lead with it. Are you a north or a south guy, man? Uh, finally, we're getting to the
3: stuff I want to talk about here. I am North Dining Hall until I die. Yes. I understand that South Dining Hall looks like Hogwarts and it gets all the acclaim because it's the one that photographs well. It's the one that has a lot of wedding receptions that still get hosted there. I know the Morrisons become popular with that, but I had some buddies who did their wedding reception in South Dining Hall and it's great. I love to go back there. It's got all the views. North Dining Hall, especially, they've done a great job remodeling it now. It is gorgeous. But back in my day, we were talking cereal wall, make your own pasta station, the omelet bar that you had, make your own waffle station. It had everything. And the circle tables where you could commune, you'd see all your friends
0: coming. I am a North Dining Hall guy until the day I die. Could not agree more. I think the Hogwarts thing blows everyone away and it clouds their judgment. If you just also think, like you said, after the remodel too, the logistics, like the civic planning of it, the way it flows is so much better. South, you have these people running into each other from like the Asian grill and the pasta station, like you said. It needs a complete overhaul from a, from a logistics standpoint. I'm, I'm north all the way. I'm so glad to hear we have a point uh, in the north dining hall uh, column here. Last question, and I think the, the luxury of having you on is we can look a little further. I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Maybe Notre Dame fans don't want to hear about this yet, but I think a lot probably do. The game we're all looking forward to. Is Ohio State. I just think that's the game we've had circled since maybe two years ago. What do you see happening? What, what do you see the challenges being when you think about the Ohio State you know, roster or whoever they have coming back? When you see that challenge for Notre Dame, what do you think the chances are they can pull off the win in, in a game that I think everyone's been looking forward to for a couple of years?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's going to start off with, and it's been so interesting. I remember talking to Pete Sampson about this in the lead up to the season. Living long enough to see Notre Dame's secondary, especially at the cornerback spot, start to become a place of strength and gasp depth potentially on the team is just not the reality I grew up in or played around necessarily. And that's not to say we didn't have great players, but it's just always been a little more difficult to recruit that position in Notre Dame. And so when you've got Ben and you've got all the guys with like Cam there, that are so capable, high-level athletes, that's going to be the ultimate stress test right there because Marvin Harrison Jr. and the rest of that wide receiver room roll into town and are going to be the best wide receivers Notre Dame sees all year. And I understand that USC's also got, especially like we mentioned, Zachariah Branch some other dudes on that team, but these Ohio State guys, big, fast, strong, every bit of it there. And so I think it starts from that back end there you don't really get much of a reprieve. I think what we've talked about, the defensive tackle depth that showed up during camp that we're hoping gets healthier as we get towards that game is also going to be huge because Trevion Henderson, Mayan Williams, dudes back there. Kyle McCord, I, I almost worry less about because Ohio State's shown they're always recruiting high-level guys there. And while some of the newness showed in game one, and we'll see if they play their other guy at all this upcoming week, I still think that's largely going to be worked out because, again, you've got weapons all around there. But Notre Dame is better equipped in spots, like I said, than we have been in the past. I think faster in a lot of spots than we've seen in the past. And offensively now, you're going to have a quarterback that I don't think is rattled by what Ohio State can do up front, right? We know Jim Knowles wants to get back to what Ohio State did for so long up front, cause chaos, tackles for loss, stuff rate, get behind the line of scrimmage with some of the guys they've got, JT Tuamalo, Jack Sawyer, that DL line. That's going to be best on best, right? they are edge rushers against Notre Dame's two tackles that might be the best in football. So you look everywhere and you go, huh, those matchups don't sound like Notre Dame's overwhelmed in the way we might have been in the past in certain spots. And I think that's got to be really encouraging. And with a guy like Sam, you feel like you can win every game on your schedule, that one included.
0: I forgot one question, and you brought it up, so thank goodness. I just want to ask you about the tackles. And we can talk the whole offensive line, but but in particular, Blake and Joe, I mean, they're amazing to watch. I know you've put out some great film on your Twitter account, too, that kind of talks about some of the intricacies of what they're doing. Just when you watch them and you know the position really well and the guys that have come through here, I mean, the guys that have come through here in the last decade, really since you've been here, are some of the best in the NFL. Just where do these guys stack up and how good are they? Uh, They're incredible. I I mean, and everyone knows with, with
3: Joe, right? We saw that coming out party last year. First off, He's just a mountain of a man. He's like, huge. He's Mike, huge. Mike mcglinchy like size when you look at him. And so from a base standpoint, just difficult to get around because he's also so steady. And I think, like, you know, obviously people are going to want to do the Zach Martin comparison. I won't do that to anybody, but I will say the commonality is Zach made it look really easy because technically he was so sound. And with Joe, a lot of it doesn't flash in the same way. He's a great athlete. We saw him getting out in space a couple of times in this last game. But it's because he's so steady. He just ushers guys past. He's got the great long arms. He's got all the tools you want, and that's why all the draft folks are so excited about him. And it's almost like hidden Blake on the other side, who I think was a little more raw coming in, but Blake's such an explosive, powerful athlete, and you're starting to see it flash more and more consistently for these guys who are, listen, trying to put new coaching points on tape also. Joe, Joe, coaches, Joe Rudolph coaches, the offensive line coach now, Very different technique than Harry Heastan coached in certain areas. And these guys have done a phenomenal job marrying those two. It seems like they've taken to coaching really well early. You're seeing a lot of similar things show up, five across the board there. But I think with Blake on the other side, you're starting to see so many of the flashes of the player that we were told about when he was a freshman coming in, where he looks more comfortable in his sets. He looks powerful. He's grown into his more adult body through his years in the Notre Dame weight program there as well. And so watching him put it all together has been really fun on that other side opposite Joe. And I just think they're both very different players, but the bottom line is you end up with two of the best tackles in football while you're trying to break in two new guards that are doing well in early reps here and going against lesser competition. They'll get a more of a stress test soon, but with the way the offensive line situated, you know, So much of it is working together, and so having not only two veterans but two incredibly talented players at tackle and then a veteran in Zeke Corral in the center spot who's played really good ball so far this year too I think is a great setup to help those guards along as we go
0: further into the season. Mike, appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break, then I'm going to come back with a question from the Irish in our newest segment right after this. Bank like the Irish when you become a member of Credit Union 1, the official banking partner of Notre Dame Athletics. Open a Fighting Irish checking account to get special perks and shoes from one of eight exclusive Notre Dame debit card designs so you can show your pride every time you pay. Plus, with the Credit Union 1 branch located just steps from campus at 1140 East Howard Street and CU1's highly rated mobile app, it's never been more convenient to bank on your schedule. Find out more at creditunionthenumber oneorg Irish, federally insured by NCUA. Before we get back to the show, we want to tell you a little more about our presenting partner, TireRack.com. While we've been talking running, passing, and scoring, the experts at TireRack have performance of a different kind on their minds. Test results, consumer reviews, and a tire decision guide make tire buying a snap with mobile tire installation that comes to you. Get the right tires to tackle whatever comes next at TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, Mike, I'm excited for this segment. It's from the Irish, presented by tireact.com. It's great because someone gets to ask a question other than me. It's going to come from Matthew, who's from Bowling Green, Kentucky. I think it's a great question. I'm going to read it to you right now. He said, for those of us who played football in high school but never had a chance to move on to the next level for whatever reasons, injuries, talent level, et cetera, please describe the following. One, the feeling of running out of the tunnel on game days and playing in Notre Dame Stadium, and two, the pride of being a former player watching the Irish play every Saturday. As fans, we live vicariously through the players and coaches, and I can only imagine what it must feel like putting on that gold helmet. Thank you.
3: Uh, Both great questions, and I've said this to people I've interviewed by, recruits before, the most potent drug on the planet is getting to run out of that stadium's tunnel, especially for me as someone who grew up a fan like I'm I'm like everybody else and then I grew up a huge Notre Dame fan I watched that team every weekend and so I got to live out a dream going there following my dad's footsteps being at the place where him and my mom met but getting to go out there and to feel that energy in the stadium and to know you now get to see it from the vantage point that you've dreamed about your whole life you know I remember the feeling the first time the first time I got to run out of the stadium with my brother when he got there the following year my sophomore year it's it's Something you'll chase for the rest of your life, and so far, I haven't found, right? Like, I love going to call college football games now, whether it's on TV or radio, because you get some of that same game day energy. I still get chills when the National Anthem's playing. I still get fired up right before that opening kickoff, but it's not quite like knowing once you cross that line, it's you going into battle. So it, it really is one of the most unique experiences I've ever been a part of. And then the pride from the former player side, I think, is twofold because I still watch the game like a fan. I mentioned I grew up a fan, and I thought, surely, going through, getting to be a part of the game plans affect the outcome of games. I'll be so much more calm on the other side of this. I'll have a measured approach to my fandom. I'll be able to watch with a discerning eye and less emotion. And then Notre Dame lost in double overtime to Texas in 2016, and I shattered a hotel remote against the wall of that hotel, which shall remain nameless for legal reasons, but The point is, I still watch it really emotionally, but the pride in knowing, one, what these guys are going through, right? And that's, I think, my whole job as an analyst covering college football is I know what these guys are dealing with on a daily basis, and I know what they've got to overcome, the stuff that guys are dealing with off the field in their personal lives that no one will ever see or hear about when it comes to Saturday, but that they're having to overcome with and work around and find a way through are always the stories I enjoy telling in Notre Dame specifically what we know the academic standard is and the class load there and just getting to go back. I'm fortunate to still get to interact with young guys that are a part of the program. This off season, I got to go to the Notre Dame Athletic summit in Colorado Springs and meet Benjamin Morrison there and talk with him for a little bit. And you see these guys are the same type of player that I would have played with back in the day. There's such a great through line through the ages of Notre Dame players that I meet from the 70s and 80s who played with my dad, my uncles, and the kind of guys you had then, and the guys that are still there now who on and off the field make you really proud to be associated with the university. So I think that's the coolest part is getting to go back and still see firsthand. It's the same kind of guy they've been recruiting there forever, and they're getting better football results again out of the equation, but it, it hasn't been sacrificed by the kind of person that you get to deal
0: with there. Mike, appreciate it. Everyone can check out the Gojo and Golick podcast. Also can listen to him on Saturday nights uh, when he's covering college football. Hopefully we see you either at a Notre Dame game or possibly down the road, maybe a postseason game. Who knows? But uh, appreciate you taking the time on our first show here. Uh, and thanks all for all you do to cover Notre Dame. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Go Irish. Wake Up the Echoes, the official show of the Fighting Irish presented by tireact.com is also brought to you by Canon Solutions America, Credit Union One, Coca-Cola, Gatorade and Under Armour. That does it for our first episode of Wake Up the Echoes. Thanks for joining us and make sure to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast content. Also go to fightingirish.com slash wake up to submit a question if you want to have it answered next week. We'll talk to you a week from now after the NC State game.